terminé, me subí, me fui contra la corriente y también me perdí, fracasé, me encontré, lo viví y aprendí cuando te pegas fuerte más profundo es el beat, sí. sigo bailando y escribiendo mis letras, sigo cantando con las puertas abiertas, atravesando por todas estas tierras y no hay que viajar tanto para encontrar la respuesta. Hey, welcome to Backstage at Brick, your friendly neighborhood podcast uh, recorded here at Brick um, Arts Media, um, all about the performing arts department at Brick and everything that's going on behind the scenes, on the stage, and otherwise. I'm your host, BJ Evans, back in the podcast studio, and I am here with my co-host, Andrea Montes de Oca. Hello, Andrea. Hello. And we have a special guest in the podcast studio today, Leah Camille Crockett. Hey. Hello, y'all. Can you just remind our listeners your um, title here at Brick and what you do? Hey, I'm the senior music producer here at Brick, uh, working on all of the music programs. Awesome. And that intro we were just listening to was a band from this past summer at the Banshell at the Brick Celebrate Brooklyn Festival. Who was that? That was Bomba Stereo from Columbia. Awesome. They uh, closed out our season, and it was the record-breaking show of the year. It was crazy. No kidding. Yeah, it was awesome. Wow, that's great. Was it a free show? It was. It was our free show. It was our last free show. Oh, fun. So what made it so record-breaking? What? I mean, they're fantastic, and I like have such a personal connection to this band because I um, was an intern at South by Southwest the first time they ever played in the States, and so I feel like... Both of our careers have just grown at the wow. same time. And I've just like pl played with that. I've like worked with them at different stages, like throughout my, like every three years I end up working with this band. And so it felt really cool um, to see them in this situation. Like I was so used to working with them years ago when they were more emerging or maybe really well known in Europe, but not as well known in the States or really well known in South America, but not as well known in like everywhere. Um, and I think this show really proved that they have like, way surpassed any kind of niche that people may think that they're still in. Um, they're super global, super, um, it's just like infectious pop dance music that like no one else was really making. I mean, they brought like a lot of like electronic samplings of like champeta and cumbia that like, like specifically from the Caribbean of Colombia that like just hadn't ever been exported at that scale before. Um, and so it was cool not only that they've done that and like sustained as a band, but that they brought like 12,000 people from Brooklyn out to the park to see it and all dance to it. It was really fun. That's fantastic. Were there any other shows that were really wonderful surprises like that, that bands that have bigger followings than you thought or that were really joyful and got the crowd moving and that everyone loved? Um, I will say that, um, you know, typically with our dance shows, we always do two dance shows a year. Um, and, our, you know, our dance programming is really special because normally – um, a, the price point for dance can be really high sometimes, especially if you're going into like a big hall. That is true. You know? Yeah. Um, and so it's really, really special that we can provide two dance performances a year for free. Um, but just by the nature of the program itself, you know, dance a lot of times really is meant to be viewed, um, you know, from a seated perspective. And there are only so many people you can fit for it to like make sense. So it's just the variables are a little different than maybe a live big concert. Um, so... Just naturally, we don't expect as large of a crowd for the dance performances, which is totally fine. Um, we still consider it a success. But if you think about it, like even the largest halls, like I'm trying to think at the Met or wherever the ABT is, like some of those like yeah, really big like concert a halls. Like thousand maximum, exactly, I feel like. Exactly. So it's like you might be a couple thousand people, but we had for um, when we had Ailey 2, Alvin Ailey's um, repertory dance company, we had like 
over 4,000 people seeing that show. And it just shows that I think there's a really a big appetite for dance. I think, um, I think in a way that sometimes feels a little bit um, restrictive for people. And so it was cool to see that like, Hey, you know, if you build it, they will come. People really want (laughs) to see this, you know? Yeah. And Andrea, you were at that show. Yes. What was the response? Could you tell how the crowd was feeling during that dance performance of Ailey too? I think I remember this one being, this one was a, a rainy show. Mm, I, I think, think you're right. I think and you're then, right. But people, um, they stayed around. They stuck around. Um, there were a lot of prepared <laughs> crowd members. Um, Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> they had umbrellas, which like I feel like I never do. Like, they're like, it's going to rain. And I'm like, that's fine. But yeah, people stuck around through the rain. Um, I would have gone home is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so did the da- I wasn't there for that show either. So did the dancers start dancing in the rain? Like, Did you start the show while it was raining? So that one we delayed a bit. Um, but yeah, like even with the delay, with the rain, they stuck around. There were people ready for a dance wow do do people y'all are out of the band shell you know all summer long do people put up their umbrellas in the middle of the crowd and stand there with an umbrella yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of funny to watch how you just notice it like there's this like within a few seconds like there's an exodus of people who don't have umbrellas and then there's an (laughs) exodus of like Everyone just goes up at the same time. Yeah. It's really funny. That'd be a great photo. Yeah. We definitely Especially have like from above. Like, Do y'all have a drone out there to get like above shots? We have a person. <laughs> great. <who just> climbs <laughs> ladders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, really high tech. Really method. <laughs> what is this ladder you speak of? <laughs> um, and Leah, as the senior music producer, I feel like you can really speak to this question. Um, was there anything, and I asked Emma the same thing, anything really special about this? season or something that really moved you or surprised you um, over this past uh, summer at Brick Celebrate Brooklyn Festival? Um, Well, in a way, it was a little bit after the fact, or I don't know. um, So we had one of my, the highlights of my summer was having Celso here, who's um, just a cumbia legend. Um, He really popularized cumbia in like a really special, different way in Mexico throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, He just totally had like a cool, gritty approach to it. And as a result, I think really revived that genre for a lot of young people and a lot of young artists who were kind of coming up in the 90s and 2000s, which is sort of like was my big coming of age in listening to a lot of that music. Um, So he just like has a real personal significance to me. So I was glad that he came. And also being from Texas originally, it was that question of like, okay, he's like huge in Texas, but it's a whole different game here in New York. Like, I don't know if he has the same cachet, but you know, we had 4,000 people up in that place dancing wow. cumbia and I was like, all right, people wow. know what's up. So it was already just a really special night and really fun. And I mean, Sensel was like in his sixties and still just giving the crowd a thousand percent, having so much fun. It was a really, really special live show. Um, and so already that was really exciting to have, you know, presented him, but then he unfortunately passed away just two months later. Wow. He just passed away a couple of weeks ago, really. Um, and, you know, it's a total tragedy. He, um, I mean, he died on tour. He was like, oh, no. he had just gotten back from tour. Um, and I mean, in a way, I think it's really beautiful. Like he died just of a heart attack really swiftly and doing what he loved right up until the last moment. Um, but it's really unfortunate that, you know, he had to go. He was only 66, I think. Um, but that definitely made it even more, um, you know, arresting and special that we were able to do that. And it kind of shows those moments have happened with us at the festival a few times. Like we had, 
we ended up, unbeknownst to us, doing Sharon Jones's last concert in New York before she passed away. Um, wow. Isaac Hayes, I think it was his last concert in New York before he died. Um, so, you know, it's really important that we, um, you know, present a whole wide range of artists. But sometimes when we have these legacy artists, it, like, it makes you all the more aware how fleeting and how special it is to actually get to see them. Wow. And a great reminder to, you know, live in the moment mm. and embrace the present and the life that we have. It is so fleeting. It's true. Uh, it's really lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I also, um, you know, switching gears a little bit to something um, on the, you know, brighter side, uh, that I heard that there was a funny moment with um, like a council person or something. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I think her, I hope I get this right, Assemblymember Joan Millman, I believe. Uh, she's an assembly person for um, Brooklyn. And, you know, we do this. A lot of like free outdoor concerts do this where they invite, um, you know, elected officials to address the audience, address their constituents. Um, and, you know, it's pretty casual. We just sort of, you know, with certain electives, if they want to come speak, if they have something to talk about, we let them show up and talk for a few minutes. Um, oh, that's cool. Can I come and say something? Before? Well, you're not <laughs> an elected a, official. Is this thing you can just sign up for? No. Okay. <laughs> elected officials only. Got it. Got it. Um, so Joan Millman, bless her heart. She's really sweet. Came up on stage. Um, and, you know, it's hard for anyone, even, you know, our um, executive producer, Jack, who addresses the crowd every day, you know, in between shows, it's not uncommon. I'm sure we've all been to concerts where, like, you know, the housekeeping announcements don't always get the most attention. Right. Uh, people are like, oh, this is when I go get a beer. Or, like, don't yeah. pay attention. So it can be a little daunting to, like, speak to 5,000 people who aren't really listening to you. Right. Um, and so, you know, a couple of people had spoken before Joan. Um, and it was the typical, like, kind of buzzing. No one's, really, like, really paying attention. And, you know, that is what it is. People take it in stride. Um, and then Joan got up there. And, you know... I don't think she's necessarily spoken to like crowds this big before, but she really was like super enthusiastic and gave it her all and just, you know, took that mic and said, you know, hello, I'm Joan Millman. And she definitely like started launching into all of her like platform uh, initiatives and all this stuff. And the crowd just started singing that song. Joanna. Wait, I have a song. I have a song. Let me see if I can cue it up. Had it been playing or something? It was, like, yeah, so it was like the, I'm pretty sure it was the Jadena show. And so DJ MoMA had been um, spinning in between sets. Um, and John is like a huge song. I mean, it actually came out last summer, but like for some reason this summer it was like all over the place. Right, Andrea? Did you yeah. just hear it like everywhere you walk? Hot 97 just oh plays my songs for like two years. They <laughs> yeah. do that. They do that. <laughs> it's like all over the place. And my like neighborhood, I live across from like the hot spot on my block. Mm -hmm. And so like every morning and night it was like hearing that song on repeat. And so it was just that infectious like hit song of the summer. And <laughs> of it two was, summers. Of two summers, yeah. <laughs> and it. like the crowd was so lit and just like super energetic the whole time that I was like, this is so great that they listen to her <laughs> and have to at least hear her name. Like they don't really yeah. want to hear what she has to say, but they were just like hyping her up so much. And you could tell she's like never had this many people shouting her name. Once, you know? <laughs> that is so funny. Okay. I, I, I have, I think the that's wonderful. So they started chanting that. They just song started to chanting her. as soon as she said her name. It was adorable. Did, yeah. How did she handle that or respond to that? It was funny because you could tell she had never heard the song before. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, okay, but like, how awesome. I mean, she responded really well because I think she was like, 
man, this is pretty dope. Like having all these people shout your name. I'm like, okay. And also like she's an elected official. Like at minimum, you want people to remember your name. Yeah. Right. So like I didn't think she responded really well to it. And I was side stage and so I watched her walk off stage and she just had a big grin on her face. Like it was super fun, you know. Career switch. Yeah. Like exactly. rock star. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the heat advisory day and how you handled that. We talked a little bit about it with Emma when she was on the show a couple weeks ago. But so a show was canceled completely. A show was canceled and it was very funny again, um, just my inner Texan was laughing so hard because <laughs> um and you know I get it. It's like in Texas, we're not prepared. Like, we don't have the infrastructure to deal with extreme cold weather. So we cancel things for, like, no reason that a New Yorker would, like, totally scoff at. And here I was like, oh, my God, New York doesn't know how to be hot. Like, we don't have, like, systems in place. And it's, like, to be walking around this concrete is dangerous. Yeah. And so um, so it's interesting. The mayor called on, um, you know, a cancellation. There were some, like, parameters about it. I don't know if you guys talked about that, but it was, like, it was only outdoor events that were over a thousand people, and if you were an outdoor event that had access to indoors, that was didn't really count. So, for example, the warm up at MoMA PS One was able to still happen because um, they had like an indoor space where you could theoretically, you know, find refuge from the heat if you needed it. Whereas for us, you know, we are very much we're a huge venue and all outside. Um, so it's kind of funny. I mean, of course, the bummer about it is always the um, you know the nature of how many shows we do. We're unable to do makeup dates for really most of the shows. Oh, no. So, of course, the bummer is that we were really looking forward to um, Alley Orchestra doing, um, they were going to do a live score to this really cool silent film, and then we were actually going to have Lava, this aerial dance company. So, you know, that would have been a really unique show to show to the people of Brooklyn, and it's a bummer that that didn't happen. Um, but you know, Andrea and I got the day off, so we made it. So that's more the best of it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. Oh, nice. We never have Saturdays yeah. off. So. <laughs> that is such a gift. Yeah, that's a, so. You know, I like to always tell my guests and listeners that it's backstage at Brick, so we're peeling back the curtain a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, what goes on behind the scenes? So y'all just work every Saturday. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Of yes. uh, every show all summer long. Oh yeah, that is intense. It is. We have Mondays <laughs> off, but okay. You can never replace a okay. Saturday. So, <laughs> but, the, you know, the beach is quiet on a Monday, so there's a benefit, maybe. It's true. I loved going to the beach on Mondays. It Did was, you make it out? Oh, yeah. You- <laughs> I, totally tried. I went at least like four or five times on a Monday. Oh. Yeah. It must be so quiet. It was nice because, yeah, I mean, there are people there, but like I like it because everything's still open. So there's just like no lines or something. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty sweet. Parking, good parking. (laughs) (laughs) The important things. So then what happens to Ally Orchestra? Will y'all try to do that next summer? Like, what does happen when something gets canceled like that? It really just depends. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I do think that there's usually, like, a good faith effort to make something happen um, the following year. But a lot of that is that, you know, a year from now, people's schedules are completely different. And, you know, a lot of the stars have to align in order for it to be able to happen a second year in a row. But we've been able to work with uh, Alley Orchestra a lot over the years. And so um, I'm confident that if not next year, soon we will have them back. And so, you know, the summer is over. Y'all all took your vacations. Um, you're, you're back. So do you start immediately planning for the next summer? What is that timeline? I mean, we do, but, like, it's just, what is it called? It's just, like, a steady incline. Like, there are certain things that we have to start talking about right now, like opening night, because opening night is tied to the gala um, and, like, some other factors that we just, like, deal with way before the rest of the season. 
um, our benefit concerts operate on a longer timeline. So mm-hmm. like those are things we have to plan way in advance. Um, but then in terms of like the overall programming, it's sort of like, you know, it's still very much like we're not going to pin anything down for a while, I think. Um, but it's really important to kind of keep the conversation happening, right? Like keep things top of mind and like give ourselves the time to kick around ideas for like a good three months and not make a choice just to like see how you feel about certain things. But like we won't start really making decisions until probably like November, December. Okay. Yeah. Which is still like the very soon. Two it months, is, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, like yeah. it's, so it really is just year round. You yeah. are working on this festival. Exactly. Like there's not a there's not a month that goes by where you're not doing something. You know what I mean? Even if it's really mm-hmm. small, mm-hmm. it's like there's not like I just ran out of here from a meeting today about benefit shows. Oh, and I was like, for Ugh. next summer. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The amount of times that I'm now like in the 2020 calendar, I'm like ew. I still don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like, is anything else in your life planned in 2020? It's like your work life is getting planned. Honestly, I'm trying to be better about planning vacations. Like really early. Let's talk about this. Thank you. It's a new thing. (laughs) It was like an intention I set last year. (laughs) You're good. I'm like, I'm impressed. I'm thoroughly impressed. Thank you. It's working. I was not good at it before. (laughs) And I've talked to other producers actually. Like, I think that, and you know, I want to have more producers on this show because I think there is, in general, like this crisis happening amongst the producer community. Other Mm -hmm. producers I talk to, and they really are just like, I need to carve out more time for myself you know, while I'm in the midst of things mm-hmm. and I need to carve out more time for myself in between things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm curious, how do you do that? Have you thought about that, of how you carve out time, maybe even in the middle of the summer, but then throughout the year, if you are working on it all year, when do you go on vacation? I mean, it is literally what I think about all the time. <laughs> like, um, I love it. <laughs> everyone listening, I just got like a, the eyes, <laughs> a look from Leah of like, oh, how do I do this? I mean, it's interesting, like, I, especially when I was a freelancer, my thing was always taking vacations not during the obvious times of the year because it's like cheaper and mm-hmm. and I can just kind of leave whenever I want. So um, this job, you know, the fact that we kind of wrap up in middle of August and then we have the Labor Day weekend, it really is like a great time where like no one's really, it, like it's the only time that no one wants to talk about the festival. It's like, okay, let's like, nothing is that urgent that we need to talk about it at the end of August. And um, and there's the holiday weekend. And I just think in general, August is like a time that I guess a lot of the world travels. I think so. Isn't France like the whole Paris? Yeah, the whole month. Yeah, the whole month off. That's what I've heard. That's amazing. Um, (laughs) So it was weird. At first, I was like had some sort of instinctive like rebellion against that. When I first started with this job, I was like, well, I don't want to be on vacation when everyone's on vacation. But like. I know it's really dumb. <laughs> well, if you uh, had been taking vacation in the off season for so long, exactly. of course that would be your natural inclination. Yeah, like, it was what? weird. But I realized that the fact is it's really nice. Like I went on vacation recently during that week and like it's nice because not only are you not in the office, but no one else is either. So you're not missing anything. There's not like too much to catch up oh, on. Oh yeah. And that I think is the hardest part, right? It's yeah. like and I struggle with that. I think we all should be able to like tell people to wait and you know acknowledge that things will happen when we return but I just think the nature of our jobs is like and also I it's I come at my job from like a service perspective a lot of the times it's like my job is to serve the artists ultimately of what we're doing so I always instinctively like don't want to make them wait I don't um you know I want them to be able to move forward with their plans and if that means me getting them a fast answer on xyz then I want to do everything I can to do that 
So it makes like leaving town for five days sometimes really difficult if I'm getting a lot of questions. But mm. I have to be better about being like, I am not available right now. Do you check your email? Girl, yes. No. I know. <laughs> Although no. I will say I'm getting better at checking it and like detaching from it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like I see this and you know what? I'm not going to think about it. Like it's a little more of a discipline that I'm learning of like. Reading it because I think I would like to know if something really crazy is happening. For sure. But I used to not be able to read it and not think like, oh, I have to respond right away. I think I'm getting better at like, okay, I read all of this. I acknowledge it and I'm not going to do anything about it. We'll and so you, you're <laughs> saying you you still want to read it just so you know that nothing like major needs your attention? Like what is the argument for still reading it? Yeah, I think it's that. I think okay. it's just little things. And again, like if it's not something that makes my life difficult, but like, I want to just be helpful. So if somebody has, if somebody's emailing me a question, let's say, you know, sometimes for artists, they really need to plan their travel really far in advance. Um, and there are a lot of cost implications to that. So let's say an artist really needs to know for me what time their sound check is. Um, and it's really far in advance. Like I did this while I was on vacation. Somebody emailed me and asked me about a sound check and I don't have the schedule in front of me. I'm not going to go through the trouble of like calling the office to find out when the schedule is. But off the top of my head, I know that at the earliest they'll need to be there is 2 p.m. So I don't mind sending an email response saying, you know, for your own planning purposes, plan for 2 p.m. If anything, it'll be later. And that's like doesn't cost me anything, like takes me five minutes to respond and it allows them to move forward. So like little things like that, I don't mind being helpful if I can um, instead of them having to like sit and stew for a week and then be like stressed out. Because then I might have other stuff going on when I come back that I'd rather deal with. Right. I mean, it's a mark of a good producer, it sounds like. Like, that skill set, that inclination, that instinct of yours makes you a really good producer. <laughs> Thank you, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so all you aspiring producers out there listening, um, take note and listen to, you know, how Leah goes about her job because she really is a fantastic producer. And, you know, Andrea, who is new to the team and learning a lot about producing as well, do you have any questions for Leah related to the festival or how the summer went or <sighs> producing questions? I always do this where I'm like, Andrea, it's your turn oh to ask God. a question. <laughs> Wait, Andrea, let me just say, helped a lot this summer. That's like, awesome. It's, it was her first summer at the band shell and like it really takes no prisoners. So like <laughs> it, my really face it was great. Yeah, it was <laughs> my great to have you. will not go away. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have anything, that's okay. I know. It does seem like it's on the spot, but this happens every show. So part of me is like, <laughs> oh, Andrea. Now I should know. Like, you're right. I'm, I'm kind of always like, don't. if there's nothing it's okay I was actually just thinking going back to like the timeline of producing um, summer celebrate Brooklyn um, I literally like I like there was sudden like because I was like planning my again it was like a planning thing I was like okay I'm gonna plan my winter vacation I was like and when I get back it's gonna be January and then I'm like and then I'm like, and January means it's going to be like next year, which means it's going to be summer again. And <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, I'm just sharing my, yeah, <laughs> like, there was like a sense of yeah. like dread. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, and those are like good skills to learn too, right? Like you start realizing like, oh my God, okay. It, there are, it's like, I think that's the funny thing too, is like when you talk about planning, it's like mm-hmm. there are layers to it, right? So yeah. it's like, just because you're planning the festival as early as September, you're not Deal, like not everything is starting at the same time so yeah. it's like January is busy and now you have like a frame of reference as to how it will be busy and yeah. what yeah, 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 and like and it's all about like what can I push to not think about until March or what should I get done with in December like uh-huh. and I'm always trying to tweak that sort of thing uh-huh. just so that it's not everything all at once you know 
It's really good advice. You know, (laughs) it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Um, I tell you, it makes a big one thing. I learned more and I learned a lot this year, I think, because we had a lot of changes in the teams. Like so much of who we work with this season, you know, Andrea is one of our only full time staff who works on the festival. Um, Includes like me and Emma and a few other people. Um, And our staff goes from, let's say they're like 10 full time people at Brick who work on the festival. And then we have like over 100 people who like work seasonally in varying capacity so those seasonal positions make a huge difference and like you know we're lucky that we have um pretty low turnover and we have people who worked with us for several years um i think it's a pretty good gig for a lot of people but like life changes and so every year you're gonna get a few new people and new positions um and i tell you it makes or breaks the season like if you have strong people or not so i'm very grateful for all the very like strong um, seasonal and year-round employees that mm-hmm. I get to work with. Thank you, Leah. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. <laughs> do you have any, before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts, anything you wanted to say that I didn't ask or any um, producing advice or thoughts about music or the summer that you're dying to get out that... You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to take this opportunity to plug <laughs> the Brick membership program. Ooh, because thank you. <laughs> uh, we were just talking about it earlier this morning and... Um, if you go to brickartsmedia.org and find out how to become a member, you should look into it because um, we love that our festival is free and it will always be free. Um, but if you are in a position to support us in uh, any kind of financial way, I think that uh, becoming a member is a great way to do it and great value. Um, our membership uh, group is really fun and like they've really be- it's become part of their summer every summer um, and there's a great community around that. Um, and as we continue to expand and always push the boundaries with programming, I think that it enables us a chance to hopefully expand our membership group, too. So I just encourage anyone, if you had a really good time at a couple of shows this summer um, and you want to know how you can support Brick, I would love for you to become a new member. Hey. Thank you, Leah. <laughs> the, the benefits actually are amazing. Right? That little tent. It's so nice. It's so nice. And the entry, don't you get express entry? You get express entry, you'll so always amazing. be able to see the shows. Oh, good tip. Um, so we are in honor of some of your favorite bands that were out there this summer. You know, we started with Bombo Stadio. We're going to end with Tank and the Bangas. So what can you tell us about Tank and the Bangas as we roll out of here? Oh, my God. Tank. OK, first of all, it's funny because I feel like that was five years ago because it was in June. <laughs> um, yeah. But but like, OK, Tank and the Bangas is this crazy, you know, kind of genre mashup group from New Orleans. And I mean, there's to me so quintessentially New Orleans because that place is such a melting pot of music and musical styles. And like just the community is so porous and like adaptive to music that you can just tell that like only in New Orleans would you have created a band like this that is so singular because they're super funky and like tank the main girl. She raps, but then she also sings like super gospel and um, you know, they just have this like really kind of indie DIY instrumentation sometimes. Um, it's just, yeah, it's totally singular, totally their own. Um, and then the live show is like, she was like channeling Missy Elliott vibes, like just really out there, um, commanding the whole stage, like crazy outfits. Like she had this outfit that was kind of like the super duper fly Missy Elliott video, right? It kind (laughs) of reminded me of that. And then her set design was like this very whimsical kind of like weird Care Bear fantasy kind of stuff. But like it was so budget. It was like a few cut out clouds and stuff on stage. And it just I love that. Like I love when really creative people can make a lot out of a little, you know, Um, and she and her band really, really did that. So I just thought they were like one of the coolest artists we had. 
Thank you for that. Well, we're going to listen to Tank and the Bangas on the way out. Um, thanks again for being here, Leah and Andrea. Thanks for joining as my co-host once again. This has been another episode of Backstage at Brick. My name is BJ Evans. I am your host. I was here with Leah Camille Crockett, senior producer at Brick, and my co-host Andrea Montesioka, the Contracts and Artists Service Coordinator here at Brick. <laughs> um, we record at the podcast studio at Brick, and we are going to send you out of here with Tank and the Bangas. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Be burning. Take your penny old, don't nobody know where you go. Just know the block just got high. When you see a train, gotta be slain, gotta be quick, gotta get get for you get. And ain't no telling what I'm gonna do tonight. I strolled a victim room full of I met somebody's room that was I, I just took them by the hand, I slipped it.